It is that time once again, everybody. It's time for another edition of the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC podcast. Wyatt Morell and with me as always, Ryan Mitchell on this Sunday, December 12th, when we are recording. We've got some conference games under our belt, a lot to chew on with this episode, Ryan, and it's it should be a lot of fun. I know you're looking forward to it. Yeah, Wyatt, we've been waiting for this time for a long time. We can finally chew on some conference matchups, plenty to get to tonight, so looking forward to it. I'm sure we were right about a few things, wrong about a few things. We'll dive into everything. You know, there's probably some people that are wondering what we were talking about going into conference play, but we'll address everything and get to it. But first, we're going to welcome in, this is a new first-time guest, Ryan. It's not a current player. It's not a coach. It's a former player. Some people know him as Porter Morell. I just know him as my brother, so I'm just going to call him my brother as we bring him in here. And Porter, we appreciate you. You played for Northwestern for four years, uh, graduated in 2017 for people that maybe don't know who you are. But thank you for being willing to join us and talk a little Northwestern St. Scholastica basketball ahead of the big game this upcoming week. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess I would just get it started by saying for people that uh, – don't know you maybe give some background information about yourself when you played at Northwestern uh, and just what you're doing now I guess too since you graduated and then we can get into some basketball talk after that yeah sure so I uh, played at Northwestern like you said for four years Uh, uh, played from 2013 to 2017 Um, yeah had a lot of fun Uh, loved coach gross loved the program at Northwestern um we had uh, a lot of success in the UMAC, um, and then uh, we ended up, uh, I was on, I was a part of the team that, uh, for Northwestern, got the first uh, national tournament win, so that was exciting. Um, met my wife at Northwestern, uh, and now we live in Zimmerman, Minnesota. We have uh, two kids currently and a third on the way, so life is good. Porter, for you and your teammates and really coaches as well, Coach Gross or any assistants, in the days leading up to a matchup against Scholastica in your time at Northwestern, did it feel different at all to you guys? Did you treat it differently? Was the messaging different from coaches? Just kind of walk us through practices leading up to those matchups against Scholastica. Yeah, I guess I don't really think it was a lot different until probably my junior year they started to feel a little different. Um, I would say my freshman year, and maybe it was just because I didn't know them as well. Uh, it didn't feel very different when we played them. Um, we ended up playing them as the last regular season game uh, that year and then played them in the semifinal uh, my freshman year. So it was kind of a back-to-back, and so we kind of got to know them a little bit there. But then uh, my sophomore year, we went undefeated and uh, played them in the you know the semifinals of the UMAC. And they had us on the ropes. I think they had the lead in overtime until uh, uh, Cody Springer got a steal and a score and kind of got us right back into it with about two minutes to go in overtime. And uh, I think after that scare, it started to feel a little different. It, it uh, You know, Bethany had a pretty good team, I guess, my senior year. Um, but really, besides Bethany, it was us in Scholastica. It felt like it was going to be them versus us who was going to win the UMAC. Uh, the last couple years there so correct me if i'm wrong i don't think they ever won in your four years correct yeah the umac just against you guys <laughs> just period did they ever beat you in your time at northwestern i'm talking about scholastic oh, yeah. obviously oh yeah we were four and four against them in the regular season during my time there 
Wow, that does and not then ring we ended a bell. Up being, yeah, four and four, and then we ended up being uh, four and zero oh against them in the postseason. So it felt maybe a little more slanted towards us because of the postseason success, but we were five hundred against them in the regular season. Was there ever, and that's kind of when the rivalry probably started to develop more so as in your years there, so that's maybe why you said it didn't really feel any different until later towards the end of your career. Did the coaches ever put any kind of emphasis on it, or was it just something that was known around the locker room and with the guys that when you go into a game against them, especially towards the later years, you knew it was going to be a tough one and they were going to do whatever they could to beat you guys, being that they were kind of always chasing you, if you will, for that top spot? Yeah, I mean, we always knew um, they were going to run like a, it wouldn't be like necessarily a play, but a set uh, that they had. So like the practices leading up to the games, um, they had a heavy set where they were really focused on heavy penetration into like the middle of the paint. Um, so we would practice against that for the days kind of leading up to it. Um, and that was something that we kind of knew. I remember one practice, Coach Gross, he got the, got the old jerseys out and put uh put their players numbers on our like scout team or whatever you want to call it um and there were certain guys that they had that could really shoot the ball so there's an emphasis on not letting those guys get shots off and different things like that but i think one of the unique things with them is that same kind of set offense that they had and they ran quite a bit they also ran some motion um but just getting prepared for that offense was kind of unique. Uh, a lot of teams in college, they basically run motion or mover blocker, things like that. But um, Skleska kind of ran a set. And uh, they had some players that could really shoot some threes. And then they had some other players that were uh, maybe a little bit more focused on driving the basketball. So there's kind of a difference of we're going to close out really hard on this guy. Now we're really going to push back on this guy. When you look back, Porter, is there a matchup that sticks out amongst the rest of them where you say that was my favorite one to play in or one that was maybe the most memorable or if there's one that was, you know, your favorite to play in, but I remember this one more. Is there one that sticks out when you look back? Oh, I think the one that really sticks out the most is when we went up there my junior year. We had to play them on the road. Uh, they ended up winning the regular season conference that year. Uh, we played them the la same thing actually as our sophomore year, or I'm sorry, my freshman year. We played them in the last game of the regular season, and it was winner wins the conference, and they beat us, and they beat us fairly good. I think we ended up losing by seven, but it really wasn't that close. And then uh, we went back up there for the conference tournament championship game, and the the building was rock, and they had a bunch of fans that had a whiteout, and. Uh, we went up there and we we blitzed them. We uh, came out hot and just pulled away. I think we ended up winning by like twenty some points. It really never was a close ball game. That was that was pretty fun. But I actually didn't play much in the first half. I got two fouls within like the first I don't know what it was two and a half minutes and sat the rest of the half. Um, so for me, my favorite one that I played in would have been the last one, uh, the four overtime game at our place for the conference tournament championship. You talk about fouls, Porter. That was a crazy game as well where you had Cody foul out and that game just would not seem to end. Did that seem like a fitting way for you to end your time at Northwestern against Scholastica at least? Yeah, it did. It was uh, 
it's kind of funny like it, it it almost if you were watching the game i mean obviously when you're playing you're focused on you know your defense or your offense or whatever you got to do to kind of win the game but i feel like if you were a fan at that game and maybe you two could you know explain this to me i would have felt like this is how it has to end like the the saints finally have to get to the you know to the pinnacle by outlasting a four overtime game like i would have felt like this is the Saints, this is how it has to end, and we ended up pulling it out in the fourth overtime, but it kind of had that feeling that they were, this was the way they were going to beat Northwestern and finally go to the national tournament and win the UMAC and all that, but um, I, they hit a three at the, I can't remember if it was the first or second overtime to tie it, to keep it going, it just kind of seemed like all the big plays, they had the big comeback, um, we were up like 19 to two to start that game. And they came all the way back and forced it to overtime. And it just seemed like they always were making the plays to extend the game. Um, but then we ended up pulling it out in the fourth overtime. It's interesting to hear that from a player perspective, because watching that game, I actually never felt like Scholastica was going to win coming from behind. Like they did, like they made it interesting, kept on forcing overtime after overtime. And even when Cody fouled out me personally, I thought there's no way Northwestern's going to lose this game at home with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament, especially with all the different seniors that you had on that team that year. It just seemed like Northwestern would pull it out. But that's interesting to hear it from the player perspective. With the limited amount that you do know now about UMAC basketball, because you probably don't follow it like you once did, you're a few years removed, is this rivalry you think gotten closer as the years have gone on? I mean, Sklaska finally did get over the hump in the UMAC tournament, beat Northwestern in kind of a stunner. Now they're out of the conference. Do you think that changes things, like, moving forward, I guess? And it's probably never going to be the same, I would assume. And as a former player, I'm sure you could say, if you were playing right now, it certainly wouldn't feel the same. Yeah, I would say for me, and it probably started getting close, like my junior year, like we had kind of talked about. You go from my junior year where they won the regular season title, and we played back-to-back years, junior, senior year in the conference championship, had a four-overtime game. The following year, uh, Northwestern went up to St. Scholastica in the semifinals, and Caleb Hagman hit like a buzzer beater to win it. Um, I guess there's a few ticks left on the clock, but um, then the year after that, Northwestern hosted them for the championship game again, and it went into double overtime. So it seemed like it got more competitive and closer um, you know, as the years were going there. But I think that now that they're not in the conference, it definitely changes it. Um, you know, I guess you could look at it from a positive or like a rivalry perspective of now there's only one game a year. You know, it's it's the it's the one game, it's the one chance, and there's not another opportunity after it. So make it all make it worth it. Porter, we know that you've been removed from the conference now for a chunk of years, but even looking back to the contest that you guys played against Mayak squads, the Bethels, the Augsburgs, the McAllisters, if you will, with Scholastica now moving up a weight class, if you will, if people want to call it that, to the Mayak, do you think long-term, I mean, is that a successful move for their program, just talking basketball specifically? Do you think they can hang just from the knowledge you have of when you played them, or do you think it's going to take them a long time to really be competitive, I guess, if you want to call it that in the Mayak conference. Uh, I think they can hang. I think they can be competitive. Um, 
Do I think that right away they're going to go in and be the cream of the crop? No. Uh, do I think that they could get there? Probably not. I think that they're probably going to be one of those teams that's competitive, uh, maybe middle class, upper class of the conference. But I don't see them really coming into that conference and being like, okay, we got to find a way to beat Scholastica the way you would maybe talk about like a St. John's, um, St. Thomas before they left, uh, even like St. Olaf, um, Bethel. Some of those programs, I think, are always going to have a consistent edge, if, if you would. Not to say that Scholastica couldn't have a team or two that ends up making a run in their tournament, in the Mayak tournament or something like that. But um, I, don't think, I don't think initially that they go in and they're the cream of that conference. So Ryan, but they certainly could be competitive. Yeah, sure. So Ryan kind of mentioned it's like they move up a weight class, if you will. We've kind of maybe even extended this narrative a little bit that the Mayak is supposedly considered much better than the UMAC. Did you feel that as a narrative when you played? Did it seem like people kind of looked down on the conference as uh, the Mayak was close by? Because then we get to tournament play, and you guys went to the Sweet 16 a few years later. Bethany was able to win another game. Northwestern's won another game since then. So, I mean, there's been a lot of success for the UMAC in the national tournament and against Mayak teams. But did it seem like people kind of talked down about the UMAC with the Mayak right there? And if they did, did you believe that the Mayak actually is that much farther ahead of the UMAC, I guess, just basketball specifically? Yeah, so basketball specifically, I would say the difference between the Mayak and the UMAC and I would say this, we for sure felt like when we were there, there was definitely uh, the MIAC is the supreme Division Three conference in Minnesota, and the UMAC is an afterthought. Um, before our game against St. Thomas my sophomore year, uh, there was a post on like the MIAC like, chat board or whatever that we got a hold of, and it was like just totally trashing Northwestern and that a UMAC school doesn't deserve to be in the tournament and that it's ridiculous that the UMAC gets an automatic bid, and that St. Thomas is going to beat Northwestern by 30-plus points. And so we hung on to that after the game for a little bit because, uh, obviously, we were able to knock them off. Um, I would say the biggest difference between the two conferences is the top teams in the MIAC and the top teams in the UMAC at times have been able to be, I would say, fairly similar or competitive. Um we beat St. Thomas, Bethany beat St. John's, Northwestern beat St. John's again. Uh, so the top teams, I think, can play with each other. But in the UMAC, you do not have to go night after night against solid clubs. Like, there has been, at different times, different programs where they've maybe been a little bit weaker. Uh, whereas in the MIAC, I feel like the middle, even the bottom, those teams are competitive. And if you have a bad game, you're going to lose. You're going to drop a game or two. Whereas I feel like at, at times in the UMAC, depending on the opponent you're playing, even if you have a bad night, uh, there's still a pretty good chance that you win that ball game. Porter now kind of speaking to some of the outsiders, if you will, people who aren't familiar with Northwestern's history, who listen to this and maybe don't know a lot about Northwestern versus St. Scholastica and what's been over the last, you know, decade with all the matchups. What would you tell that person listening about 
why this matchup matters, why it's maybe one of the, as why it's called it sometimes, hidden gems of basketball in the upper Midwest to someone who isn't really familiar with, you know, why should I care about Scholastica versus Northwestern? Yeah, well, I think that it's it's kind of one of those things where it became like they they really wanted to beat us. Like they had to get over us, like over the hump to make it to the tournament, to win the UMAC. To, and it was it was a rivalry that I think was extremely competitive during the regular season, uh, kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And for whatever reason, they just seemed like they really struggled to get over that hump. But that's how the rivalry kind of, I would say, got going. But it doesn't really matter what level of basketball, whether it's high school, uh, Division three, Division two, Division one. When you have an interconference matchup uh, where it's it's really gotten to the point, I feel like in our junior, senior year, even a few years after that, where it was like, okay, it's these two teams. One of them is coming out. And I think that anytime you get a matchup like that, you get some really good basketball because players are up for the game. You know, it's not like a Friday night game against a non-conference opponent where – they might, yeah, team might come out sluggish and might come out, you know, not ready to go. Anytime Northwestern and Saints Classica play, you know that the players are going to come out, they're going to be ready to go, and it's really good basketball when you have teams that come out and are ready to play. Porter, we'll end it here with this last question. If somebody were to ask you what the UMAC is all about when it comes to basketball or how you would define it, what would be your response to them or what would you tell them they need to know? And then even just with Northwestern basketball, too, if someone was interested in playing basketball at Northwestern or had questions about the program, what what would you kind of tell them, I guess? Oh, that's a tough one for the UMAC. Um, I would say don't buy the narrative that it's not good basketball. I mean, anytime you get to a, a level of college, college Division three, Division two, II, Division one. There are some really good basketball players in the UMAC. And even my time there, I think of like Timothy Wendell, C.D. Douglas. Uh, for us, guys like Michael Carney, Cody Springer. There are some really, really talented basketball players that probably could have played at a higher level that play in the UMAC. And so you get some really exciting players and you get some really exciting games. Um, as far as Northwestern, if I was to you know, give a recruitment pitch for someone to go there, I would say if you're looking for a place where uh, you're going to get a, a team basketball, uh, very unselfish motion basketball, um, somewhere where the coaches are are excellent, uh, they really run a really, really well-run program. Uh, Coach Gross has been there for quite a while, and people maybe don't know Coach, Coach Ani, Coach Biliani has been there right by his side the whole time. Uh, so the two of them run a really good program and they get you to play at a high level and they get you to play in a system where it benefits the team, um, both on the defense and offensive side of the ball. And it's some extremely fun basketball to play once you get to that level. Porter, really appreciate you giving us some time and taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us. Appreciate the insights on not only Northwestern Scholastica, but the UMAC as whole. I think you're kind of preaching what Wyatt and I have been saying throughout the last couple months that the uh, conference cannot be overlooked and it shouldn't be overlooked. So really appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, guys. 
Again, we appreciate my brother Porter joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, hopefully, people get an enjoyment out of that. And he, he knows what he knows about the time that he played as far as Northwestern Scholastica goes. He maybe doesn't have as much to say about what's coming up this week, Ryan, per se. But if you want, we could maybe spend one or two minutes just previewing that one. I'm sure you have a lot to say, being that you've watched Northwestern quite a bit this year. You've experienced the rivalry in a lot of different ways as just a fan, as a person being able to call the game so I mean what are your thoughts leading up to this one this year with the new feel yeah it's it's a non-conference tilt wide and obviously it's not a game in February it's not a game at the end of the regular season it doesn't have the same stakes okay those are facts we understand that but you can tell this game meant something because the coaches agreed before Scholastica even left the conference every year we're going to play each other we're going to flip-flop if it's in Duluth or if it's going to be in St. Paul at Northwestern. But really, I think it shows a lot that they wanted to reschedule and get this thing back on the schedule as soon as possible on the men's side after it was canceled last month. I'm thrilled to see it back on the schedule. I can't even express to you how excited I am for that game and just doing some prep work trying to get ready for that one to be on the call for Wednesday night. Again, we're recording on Sunday the 12th. But I mean, Scholastic coming in, I could say a lot of things about them in the non-conference and some of the different games that they've played so far coming in. We can throw out a lot of it, Why? There's so many players that have played against each other in the past that are going to be taking the floor once again in this matchup. They know each other so well. Yes, they're going to do the same scouting reports going into the matchup. Yes, they're going to prepare for them like they would other opponents, but you almost don't need as much. The coaches almost don't have to say as much going into a matchup like this, and I think Porter put it so well, Wyatt. You know when these two meet, they're not going to come out sluggish. The coaches are going to have them ready to play, and you're going to see good basketball. So I think that's the best way we can sell it. And yeah, Porter's been removed from the conference for a little bit, but basically everything he was saying I think is still really relevant today here where we sit in December of 2021. Yeah, it should be a fun one. I'm disappointed I won't get to call it like we had planned a little while back. It's it's a shame. I just can't make the drive down into the cities from up here in Crookston, but I'll try to keep an eye on that one. It's a Wednesday night, so I mean, I have some free time yeah. on Wednesday nights. So I'll be tuning Eagle in. Eagle Sports Network, throw it up on your TV. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be tuning in. I'll send you a picture of it and everything. It should be a fun one for sure, and we'll see uh, who gets the better of that one with the first official non-conference game between the two schools. So it's almost the start of a new era in a way and something else to keep track of now moving forward. So should be and a fun one. And it's a UMAC v. Mayak. I mean, we keep exactly. talking about for the people who are familiar with the rivalry, but for just for the conference as a whole, it is a big time, going to be a close matchup. I'm it right now, UMAC versus Mayak. So if you don't care about anything else, care about that for the brand, for the UMAC. That reminds me, I don't think I went over the numbers for this uh, week with UMAC Mayak, but I don't even know if there were any games. So we'll look into that here as we get rolling along. But uh, yeah, it's it's another opportunity to pick up a win over a Mayak school. And as Porter mentioned there during the interview, there is that feel that people kind of look down on the UMAC at times, and we just know that's not the case. And they've proven it time and time again. With uh, just jumping into this episode with that interview, now would be a good time just to remind everyone you can follow us on Twitter if you want to stay up to date. We're going to be, I won't say we're going to be, we're going to try to be more interactive on there. And we've started to retweet a few things from some of the conference games. Now that we're really getting into things, we'll try to stay more active on that platform. So it's just unlike any other, the UMAC 
If you want to get involved, you want to ask a question, give us some information, you can email us, uaotheumac at gmail.com. We love getting answers from people to questions. We have information that's shared. Shout out to everybody that's done that so far. And shout out to everybody that's been listening to this podcast, downloading it and everything, right? I don't know if you looked, 499 downloads since we started this. Who's going to be number 500? I mean, for all we know, as I'm talking right now, that 500th one has gone by. But seriously, from when we started this, it's been going really well. We're happy that people have enjoyed it and continue to enjoy it. And we hope uh, it continues that way moving forward. But, so, But real quick, Wyatt, but you and I are not satisfied yet. We're continuing to climb. We want to keep improving. And as a local coach likes to say, we're trying to change our best. Elite. <laughs> I didn't. T- I didn't. T- you had to say that. You did that on your own. <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, it's it's only December, Ryan. I mean, we've got a long ways to go, but it's already exciting. So yeah, we're just getting just getting our feet wet here for what's to come here with this podcast and with the UMAC basketball this season. As we move ahead, it's time to recap a few things that took place this weekend, though, Ryan. Let's start on the women's side, going through the first conference games of the season. Friday night, unfortunately, there were a few postponements. Northwestern didn't get the chance to take on Crown. North Central was supposed to travel to take on Morris. That one was also postponed. The two other games within the conference did get played. Martin Luther defeated Northland 55-51, and Bethany over Superior 68-52. Guysfeld put up just another unbelievable stat line we don't have to talk too much about it she's basically a lock at this point i think to win conference player of the year unless something drastically changes but anyways bethany moved to one and oh and then when you move into saturday north central beat crown so they're one and oh on the season bethany beat northland so they're at the top of the conference two and oh northwestern and morris unable to play a game this weekend as their game was postponed so they're the only two teams on the women's side that have not played a game and then in the other one, Superior beat Martin Luther. So at the top of the conference, you've got Bethany at 2-0. and You've got North Central at 1-0. and Superior sitting there at 1-1. and Martin Luther is 1-1. and Northland 0-2 and, and Crown 0-1. and So it's kind of a weird dynamic right now with the conference standings. Those games are going to have to be made up. But just from this opening weekend of women's basketball, what kind of stands out to you, Ryan? Bethany, we've seen it so many times from them, Wyatt. They do a great job throughout the season improving and then in-game adjustments. Last week, Bethany ho-hum knocking off another ranked opponent. In many polls, I think they were the third or fifth ranked team in the country, being UW-Eau Claire. They got a win on the road, and that's before conference play starts, so they're coming into the matchup against Superior with some momentum. I bring all that up as to say, though, Wyatt, Superior had a lead by three points at the half, and I was able to catch some of this game. Bethany just couldn't find their rhythm offensively. You knew Superior was going to lock in on Geisfeld. They slowed her down a little bit, but they just continued to hit the offensive glass especially. We know Bethany does a great job hitting the boards. 14 whopping offensive rebounds. You said another ho-hum stat line. You didn't mention it, so I will. Uh, guys <laughs> filled with 26 points well, which and 18, 18 boards on Friday night. Yeah, because, I mean, about. then you could go to Saturday. She had 26 and 15, I believe. So, I mean, just back-to-back. Friday's back, was better. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. But, I mean, back-to-back games, just incredible what she's been able to do. And I'm glad you bring up their win over Eau Claire because – you mentioned this. They always find a way to play their best basketball towards the end of the year. They may already be starting to do that now. And if that's the case and they can sustain this moving forward, and I get you said they maybe struggled to find their offensive rhythm a little bit, but they still won the game against Peter yeah. by 16. 
Well, and I st- this is what's scary about them, Wyatt. Watching them, and from what I've seen in the past, and how good they were for long stretches in the game I saw in person last year down the stretch in March in the semifinal contest against Northwestern, I still think they can improve. They had a number oh, of yeah. open three-point looks, only made one of them on Friday night. Geisfeld does her thing. She's perfect at the line, but I still think the players around her are still trying to figure out exactly their roles and how to best complement her. And Coach Jones just does a fantastic job during the game making adjustments where they are closers. Even if we see a team this year, Wyatt, within a couple points or have a little bit of a lead going into the fourth quarter, Bethany is not going to give you any games. You're going to have to rip it away from the Vikings to beat them this year in UMAC play. So now does that change our opinion when you go to the next team, North Central, who is up there near the top? They they absolutely take it to crown, get their first conference win. They're 1-0. Does Bethany's latest success and with the way they're starting to ramp things up change anything at the top? Or does North Central still kind of eke out above them with their impressive performance as well? And, I mean, they had a couple players go off, and that might lead into our you have our attention as well, but... Yeah, so, I mean, you bring that up, Wyatt, because for those who didn't hear last week when we re-ranked the conference, both you and I had North Central at number one. They haven't lost yet this season. I've been the first to mention, though, and I'll say it again, I mean, their non-conference slate wasn't too strong, and then, you know, conference opener, they're, you know, expected to win. It's still an impressive win to put up 95 on the road and do what they did. And you can, you know, discredit what I'm saying. They're they're winning the games in front of them, Wyatt. They're doing what they have to do. They're being about as impressive as you can be. I mean, I'll just jump into it since I'm looking at it right now. Khadijah Conte lighting it up, a career high, 33, did not leave the floor on Saturday. Five assists as well for her. Emily DiGiorgio, another massive performance for the senior, leader on that club, only missed two shots the whole game, 26 points, five rebounds. I could go... On and on and on. Aubrey Robinson, an underclassman, stepping up with 15-9. I'm mentioning her because she's on the squad, so love to see that. Uh, yeah, I was going to we'll, say We'll talk about that later. But. Well, I mean, and we can mention this now, though, because you bring it up. Where's Naomi Hagstrom? She didn't even play. I mean, that's a person it's a great on question. my team. And I, that's it's a, a great little, question. A little disappointing to see, and I'm a little concerned about that as well. I had a couple players not play this week, but we'll get into the fantasy basketball when you move ahead. I don't know if you actually said the words or not, I, but... I didn't. You you wanted but to But Khadija. Khadija Conte. You have officially caught our attention. The stamp of approval for that performance this weekend, again, did not leave the floor all 40 minutes, 13-19, ultra-efficient, 2-4 from downtown, perfect 5-5 from the line, 33 points, 5 assists, and a couple boards, and 4 steals as well for the sophomore out of London. So, you know, shout-out to Coach Bruner, Recruiting internationally, getting it done at got, North Central. <laughs> got to do it sometimes. I mean, downtown you, man, you got to bring them in from all over the place. And it just goes to show how deep and balanced they are, though. It's just another person, one after another, that can step up, put up a big performance like that. And then, of course, DiGiorgio just doing what she does. So they, they, they've been a fun team to watch. And have they lost a game yet? No, that's what I'm saying. They're 9-0. and Yeah, that's that's incredible. I don't care who you're playing in your non-conference schedule. That's incredible to be 9-0 and at this time of the year and to be able to move forward. And with the remaining schedule here, we'll see what they're able to do with it here as we get into the thick of conference play once we hit the new year. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but let's just look at what happened over the weekend. Martin Luther sitting at 1-1. One and one. Congratulations to them. They beat Northland in that game that we would consider kind of towards the bottom of the conference with those two kind of to see who's above the other. 
But the big thing to talk about now, Ryan, is the postponements. Northwestern Morris, they didn't get a chance to play this weekend. Have we got any word as far as when they're going to make those up? I know I tried to look. I didn't see anything. I don't know if you have. Nothing? I haven't haven't seen anything either, and we hope that the situation with Morris is remedied soon. It wasn't a COVID situation. Apparently it was a flu outbreak within the program, and they just didn't have enough bodies. And so we hope for Coach Grove's club that they can get – healthy as soon as possible and uh, get back into the swing of things and I guess the only saving grace is Wyatt that as you mentioned conference play isn't going to get started again until the new year so yeah you wish you could have started the conference slate this past weekend but at the same time you only missed two games and so the logic I believe with North Central excuse me Northwestern versus Mm -hmm. Crown being canceled in a game that didn't involve Morris they wanted to cancel it because uh, Northwestern was going to play Morris the next day, and then Morris couldn't play. They didn't want North Central to have an unfair advantage having more time off. I don't sure, even understand sure. No, thing, no, no, no. I, I, that, that actually makes a little bit of sense to me. If North Central gets to rest up until that point and Crown has to come off playing, it makes a little bit of sense. I don't know if I agree with it necessarily. Yes, that's the logic. Thank the you. Lo- that Crown and North Central are both fresh going into their the, matchup. The yes. logic makes sense. So Northwestern doesn't have an issue, though, with, with no. COVID. Okay. As far as I know, gotcha. they do not. Nope. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. It's disappointing the games couldn't be played, but obviously they'll be made up at some point. It's a long season, and there will be a time to make them up. That's that's kind of what happened over uh, the weekend for the women's side of things. And again, I think we've learned a little bit more about each team moving forward. I, it, it's going to be fun once we get a chance to see Northwestern and Morris play, because to me, I think they're kind of the next two. I mean, Superior's somewhat dropped off in recent years and hasn't been too terribly impressive this year. So once we see Northwestern and Morris actually get a chance to play some conference games, we'll know more. But right now it kind of seems like Bethany and North Central at the top. And this weekend almost reiterated that. So I would say that's where we're at as far as the women's side goes. I'm going to go over the men unless you have anything else you want to add. No, I mean, the biggest question I have is how long does the streak go for the Rams? I mean, we could start looking at the schedule and we could project when are they finally going to see a loss. I mean... And I'm Who not, knows how long it's going to go? And you know, as soon as we start doing that, though, and talking about it, something will happen where they'll yeah. drop a so game. We're so we're going to do you a favor. We're just going to do your favor, and we're not going to do that. I mean, yep. we've already kind of brought it up to put a little added pressure. But anyways, <laughs> the men's side of things, Ryan, this was a full slate all weekend. No cancellations, which was great to see. Let's just start with Friday. Talk about what happened there, and then we'll get into Saturday. Northwestern picks up a win. At Crown, it was a game. Really, Crown's weekend is going to be something we talked about leading up to. It's going to be something we go over here again tonight. But Northwestern starts off with a win there. Northland beats Martin Luther in a close game at home to get to 1-0. North Central over Morris. And then Bethany, a two-point win over Superior. And as you mentioned, my guy Brian Smith finally pumping in the stats. He had 26, I want to say. And it uh, was a solid performance from him and some of the guys. Did you learn anything specifically from that first night? I mean, outside of, well, now that I'm looking at it, there wasn't really any upsets or any surprises really from this first night. Plenty to chew on, though, Wyatt, I will say. Yeah. With all the snow and things going on, oh, yeah, with that's the right. dump that we had say, on Friday you, night. You got what we got up here in Crookston finally. Yep. We got yep. hammered with it the previous you know, weekend, and now you guys finally got it down there. I wanted to be at the WAC on Friday night so badly, but uh, the conditions for traveling Friday in the Twin Cities, greater metro area were basically horrendous. So I just got to catch all the action, and it was fun to bounce between all the games. I probably saw the most of 
Northwestern against Crown. You can call me a homer if you want, Wyatt, but literally my job is to be uh, in touch with what's happening at Northwestern. Yep. So yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, I give Crown a lot of credit, Wyatt, just real quickly in that game for hanging tight. They don't have Cade Carroll. We can talk about that a little later if you'd want. Or Another you know, guy on my fantasy team. I'm just depleted yeah. left and right. It's It was a tough <laughs> opening weekend as far as that goes. Mike Alad, though, did not leave the floor. Their point guard, uh, not necessarily known for his shot, specifically his jump shot. We know he likes to get into the lane and create for others. Six of eight from downtown. Ten assists as well. 28 points. He put his team on his back just trying to keep them hanging in the contest. Royston doing his thing with 16 and 7. And then Jacob Van Dam, more on him later, had uh, 14 to pace the way for Crown. But just way too many options for Northwestern White. We've said it so many times, there's a reason they're the favorite. Yep. There's a reason we say it over and over again that they are so deep. Because nights like this prove it. Noah Alm coming into the game, Crown knows they have to defend him all over the place. I think they did a really good job. He didn't really start to get into a groove until the second half. Has just 15. Kyle leads the way with 19. Balance though. Borma with 13, ultra efficient. More on him in a little bit as well. And then Henry, 14 points, seven boards, six assists for the big man, doing a little bit of everything. And That's it's games be... like that. Yeah, it's games like that where I say Henry is so valuable to Northwestern. It's not just the points. If you actually sit down and watch a game, the shots he affects defensively, the things that he causes defenses to think about offensively. He's just so much to handle for the opposition. It's got to be his best game of the year is what I was going to say. To be able to do that in the conference opener, help propel Northwestern to the win. Didn't do much in the next one against Morris necessarily, but he had his big night there in the opener. And then, yeah, obviously North Central took care of things. We saw Morris's offense was able to score points this weekend, but they start 0-2 this year after they lost to Northwestern defense. They're going to have to find a way to stop teams. And with their 0-2 start, that gives the door open a little bit for a team like Crown, who ended up winning on Saturday over North Central. So what what are our thoughts on Morris after this opening week? And do things change at all for you? I mean, they did what we kind of talked about coming in wide in the first half. They absolutely blitzed the Rams. 55% from the field, but then adjustments. We always talk about adjustments. Coach DeWitt and his staff made a lot of great adjustments to shut him down defensively. And then they exploded in the second half, Friday night, Morris Wyatt. You think 55% impressive? Try 63% from the field for North Central Friday night in the second half. You're a guy, okay? You have some positivity on your fantasy there, basketball squad. There was a little light. bit of it, yes. Micah Filer had the Cougars on skates in the second half Friday night. The number of ways he was scoring, the head fakes, the hesitations, the three balls, the up and unders in the lane, the finger rolls, I could go on and on. He was showcasing a lot that was in the bag Friday night. He was too much to handle. But back to your question about Morris, it's kind of what we expected. Like you said, we know they can score. How consistent, though, can they be offensively at that high level? Because is it going to be a question of why in these games, are they going to have to score 80, 85 plus to win these contests? Because right now it looks like they may have to, and we've seen the firepower. It's one thing to do it for 20 minutes. To do that for a full 40 minutes, night in, night out, in conference play is going to be tough. Can Coach Against- Groves Club... Yeah, fix things defensively going forward. Against the top teams especially, it's going to yes. be where you really start to see that being an issue, and we saw it this opening weekend. So that's certainly something to be concerned about moving forward if you're the Cougars. Let's get to one of our You Have Our Attentions. We mentioned Northland beat Martin Luther, but then they come back on Saturday, and they have so far the upset of the season, and what might end up being the upset of conference. Um, I don't know if we'll see one that's quite bigger. There were two upsets on Saturday. We'll get to the first one here. 
Northland beats Bethany 77-69. to I think it's safe to say that the Lumberjacks have officially caught our attention, Ryan, with their 2-0 start. Coach Sorensen's squad, great position to be in. It's a long ways to go, but with two less conference games this year to worry about and to start 2-0, they've put themselves in a great position moving forward. Yeah, and I talk about adjustments a lot. It was another case of that Saturday night in Ashland. They could not find jump shots in the opening half, only making one three ball. They come out in the second half, they lock things down defensively, and they get to the free throw line, and some of that has to do with two Bethany trying to come back late. But to bottle up Brian Smith after his big night Friday night, as you mentioned, White, holding him to 14, Kyrie had 14 as well, Nielsen had 15, but then really no one else. The big three, if you want to call them that, for Bethany, doing their thing at the top, but then the balance scoring for Northland, big night for Ryan Rawlings, an upperclassman on that squad showing out with 26 to lead the way for the Lumberjacks. And it's a club that we haven't talked about a lot in the non-conference, but that's a reason we're mentioning them here, Wyatt. You said you have caught our attention for a reason. They absolutely deserve it, just as we all drew it up, Wyatt. Yeah, sure. Not just Northwestern (laughs) at the top at 2-0, but Northland. If we came into the opening weekend and said, okay, Northwestern's going to be 2-0, tell us the other team. How long would it have taken us and all UMAC fans to say, oh, yeah, Northland. They're going to be that other team that's going to be 2-0. It, honestly, it would have been either them or Martin Luther outside of the top three because, you know, they played each other, so you knew one of them was going to pick up a win, and then they each had a chance on Saturday to get to 2-0 potentially based on who won that. But, yeah, I mean, nobody saw this coming. Congratulations to the Lumberjacks. It's a long ways to go. Can they sustain this kind of success will be the big question. But I think it was Ryan Rawlings. Did you mention yep. how many he yep. dropped on Saturday? I mean, what a yep. performance. And and in that spot too for his team. So your guy Jordan Brennan had a nice game too. And okay, he did too. Another, and six. yeah, yeah. And, and he he had a good weekend overall. And we'll get yeah. to the fantasy stuff a little bit. Let's jump from Northland though and talk a little bit more about Bethany because we've seen some concerns throughout the season. We were wondering what was going to happen coming into this opening weekend, and there's still concerns there with them. Their offense just does not seem to be the same, even with Smith and Mayfield back. It's going to take a little bit of time for them to get that back, maybe start gelling together. But how long do they have before it starts to become a serious problem? Well, and that's why I had them listed as number four, is just how long does it take? And we talked about in the last pod, you think sooner rather than later, they got to figure it out. We know they have the talent. Going back to Friday night, though, yeah, they picked up the win against Superior. They were playing with fire. I was able to watch that game down the stretch. Superior had multiple chances, three balls they couldn't hit. They lose by just two. Mason Ackley, just inside the half-court mark, hit the back rim at the buzzer. I mean, they almost lost that game as well. You mentioned Brian Smith basically putting him on his back to carry them over the finish line, at least offensively, to get him just enough to win that contest. That's a huge question. How long is it going to take for them to really start to hit their stride? We've said it so many times. We know how dangerous they are. But Smith, next to Mayfield, and then incorporating the others as well, the Malinkoviches, the Shrups, the Nielsens, all the talent is there. But uh, some worrisome moments, if you will, early in the season for Bethany and UMAC play. No question about it, and I'm a little uneasy about it compared to where I was even just a week ago from saying that I think they'd be able to figure it out. It, it didn't exactly encourage me what I saw this weekend from them. But, so You know, for some teams, Wyatt, we could look back and say that was the wake-up call moment. Yeah, Losing yeah, sure. on the road in a game they thought they should have had. Sure, they wish they would have got two wins in opening weekend, but there's a lot of film and a lot of things to dissect for Coach Garvin and his staff, and we mention it. 
conference play doesn't get going again till the new year. So they so got a lot of time before we have another UMAC game. There's time. And let's be clear, we're not taking anything away from what Northland did. They deserved yep. it when they played great. 2-0, and congratulations to them. But you have to acknowledge Bethany with what we've seen so far this year. They're not the same team. They're still not a team you necessarily want to play down the road. I mean, you know it's going to be a tough game every time you play them just because of what they are capable of. But they're not where they need to be right now. Uh, let's get to our other big thing from over the weekend. It was a buy or sell question. I don't remember if it was in the last podcast or not. What Crown's record was going to be after this weekend. What was it? I said, would they have at least one win? And you said yes. And I think you even yep. predicted the game correctly as well. So bravo to you. It came Thank down you for remembering that. I was not going to bring it up. But. Hey, you, you, you nailed it right on the spot. You had him beating North Central after losing to Northwestern. That's exactly what happened. It came down to the final seconds. What was there, like three seconds on the clock when Van Dam hit the game winner from the baseline, propels Crown to a 73-72 home victory over the Rams to get to 1-1. One and one. Huge win for Crown. Being 1-1 one and one after playing those two teams versus 0-2, oh I don't think people realize how big of a deal that actually is. So that's a huge win. What are some takeaways from Crown after this weekend? I feel like with Morris going 0-2, similar to what we talked about a couple minutes ago, they've opened the door up for maybe a Crown or a Superior. The, 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 the opportunities there for those two teams, Crown specifically, I feel like, with what we saw this weekend... Regardless of if Cade Carroll is even back, they showed that they can compete right there near the top. We talk so many times in sports, Wyatt. It's a game of inches. It's a game of feet. If you want to say in basketball, it's a game of a bounce. If people haven't seen that shot, it was a game go to of our bounce. Twitter. Yeah, it was a game of a bounce. Unlike any other, the UMAC, search it on Twitter. We retweeted it. It was Kawhi-like in the finish, okay, Wyatt? And I'm not you know, comparing Jacob Van Dam <laughs> to Kawhi Leonard, but if you want to, go ahead. Uh, the bounces off the rim wasn't the uh, most traditional game winner that you'll see, but nonetheless, it works. He was fantastic with 17, 7 to 10 from the field in that victory Saturday afternoon. And I give him a lot of credit, Wyatt, because Michael Ladd had that career night Friday against Northwestern the next day. Shot wasn't quite there. He still was distributing at a high level, though, with 10 assists, but Royston doing his thing with 17. Your guy, Elk River Proud, Carter Bainey, with a big bounce-back night. couple big triples, 12 points for him. He Why was fired a up. Golf he, uh, he texted me after the win and wanted to make sure we, we saw him pull that one out. So he was fired up about that one. He knows what it meant to them as a team to be able to pull that one out. and it, It's a big win, and we got to give Crown a shout-out. They've been listening to the podcast. They've been uh, following us, and they... they took what we said coming into this yeah. weekend and they were able to turn it into a and, win and use it and as giving us intel and, from, and from a yes. number of different people they're giving yes. us intel throughout the season so we appreciate that so huge shout out to them and congrats to them for the win and north central end up one and one on the weekend though so i mean not terrible by any means yeah. and, and when you lose a game like that on the road by one point it's not like they had a bad game by any means exactly a tough contest it was super tight down the stretch wide. I'm glad you mentioned that. It hurts. You're that close from being 2-0 and and crowned from being 0-2. But for Coach Herbert and his staff, it's just such a different feeling going into the following week. Not just because you'd start 0-2 Wyatt, but two games at home where yep. they had rocking atmospheres and two games that they felt like they were right there and they have to get at least one of them. Huge for them, especially with Cade Carroll out. And I don't think there's any better time than now to mention he did not play. And we don't know for weekend. sure what's going on exactly. Exactly. But. What what I do know, Wyatt, is that it is the same knee that is hurt right now that's been hurt in the past. And so 
Hopefully he's back soon for them, and it's something that we're going to have to monitor. Do they take it easy going into the winter break, knowing conference play doesn't come back for a while? Hopefully we see him back next month, but especially to get that win over North Central without him. Huge for yeah. the Storm. No question about it, and I'm glad you mentioned it, and we'll we'll see how they manage that moving forward, but conference play is what matters the most, so we'll see when we get into the new year with those conference games if we see him back on the floor. Big win for Crown. So to sum things up this weekend, as far as the men's side goes, Northwestern, and then as everybody predicted it, Northland, 2-0 at the top of the conference. The two teams that are sitting at 0-2 are Morris and Martin Luther, and then the other four, which would be Bethany, North Central, Crown, and Superior, all 1-1. So that's where it stacks up now. They got to play all their games this weekend, so we got a little taste of what the initial standings are looking like, and it'll be fun to see how that progresses moving forward. Because you look at a team like Morris that's 0-2, I think they could easily get right back up into the mix. It's just a matter of if they're going to be able to get stops. And then you, you see a team like Northland that's 2-0. and Nobody may be surprised, surprised to see that. It's going to be really tight at least for a couple weeks into January before teams start to build some separation. So that means there's a lot of meaningful basketball and a lot of meaningful games that are going to be on the schedule coming up. So with that, unless you have anything else to say, by the way, we didn't say the official words, but Jacob Van Dam, you have officially caught our attention. You didn't say that, did you? No, I did not officially, okay. but we, yes, we got officially caught our attention. You got to yes. officially say the words. It's a tradition here. So <laughs> you have caught our attention. Big time shot. Congratulations to you and Crown. Moving forward now, really to recap what happened over the weekend, the only thing to recap is fantasy basketball. And let's just start, I guess, on the women's side. Did you ever go through your scores? Because I went through both of ours, and I have them. So I can just list them off if you want me to. I appreciate it. I did not get to it like I mentioned off mic, but uh, I'll let you take it away. I appreciate the dedication. It won't be like that every week, I promise. It's it's okay. It only took like 20 minutes. It's not that big of a deal. But the totals, I'm just going to start with the totals. On the women's side, and this is a little skewed because of the games that were canceled and certain people that didn't get to play and stuff like that. But Wyatt, myself, 180 in total fantasy points through the first weekend. Ryan with 164 on the women's side. However... You did not get to see Megan Roberts, Haley Pop, number one overall pick, number Lexus overall Eagle pick. chasing, <laughs> number or, five overall pick, or Lexi Hagen play. So half, half your my team roster. didn't even play one single game. So while I missed out on having Kelsey Lund play along with Mallory Anderson, so I missed two, but you missed four. Well, and you had Hagstrom out. She didn't play. Hagstrom didn't play, but. You her know, team played. Her team played, so that's yeah. where it's difficult yeah. because that's that's the unfortunate thing is I don't get that game back. Yours are going to get made up at least. The good news is Hannah Geisfeld delivered. She With her two double-doubles, her total points were 84 through the first two games, which was, I mean, nobody's even close. The next closest was her teammate, surprisingly, Sarah Kaki, with 50, which you had, so that's where you had your most points coming from. Miranda Wagner really helped you out too. Uh, this weekend, she picked up 45 fantasy points. Volume, I told so, you, volume. She's going to shoot a lot for in that the, team. And then in the one game for North Central, Aubrey Robinson picked up 30 and Emily DiGiorgio 39. So, I mean, you're far and away in a great position here early in the women's side, even though I lead in the total. So we'll we'll see how that progresses moving forward. But that's just a rundown there on what we saw so far on the women's side. 180 for myself, 164 for Ryan. And we'll update you on that as we continue to progress. This one on the men's side is a little bit more, I guess, normal in a sense because everybody got two games in this weekend. 
I missed out on Cade Carroll because he didn't play. Other than that, everybody played, though, for us. So for the most part, it's fairly even. You're sitting at 316. I'm sitting at 288, which, if Carroll plays, probably have a lead on you, if, if we're just being honest. So that's unfortunate that that had to happen. It was just a tough weekend for me in a lot of ways, I guess, there for fantasy basketball. As far as the points go, a lot of people that were really even with each other. Looking at this now, it was actually Seth Royston that led the way out of people that we drafted. He had 54, so he led the way. It's really close after that, though. You go all the way down to one of my last picks, Jordan Brennan, 52, from Northland. Helped him to their 2-0 weekend. He was the next highest. From there, you've got Brian Smith with 48, had the one big night. Noah Alm and Hunter Nielsen tied for 46, which were your two guys, so that helped you take the lead there. They both had pretty solid weekends. My first overall pick, second pick, was Kyle Kamink. Had a monster first night, not so much. He only played 14 minutes against Morris. Was that just foul Foul trouble? trouble. He had two early in the first half, and then he had two in the second half as well. He came back late, but he had four fouls. I noticed he had four fouls, and I assume that's what it was. So with that, he ended up picking up a total of 38 fantasy points. And that's where... Which, real quick, that's even why it was more impressive the Eagles were able to pull that out down the stretch. Noah wasn't that good. Kyle was hardly on the floor. They had two Shout out to the big O, Owen Borma, Caleb Hoyleen. Massive career nights for those two. So just real they, quickly on that. And they needed it too. Yep. So yep. again, that just goes to show you right there that they're balanced and can hurt you in a lot of ways as well. And we talked about it a little bit, but I'm glad you bring it up because we don't want to just overlook that by any means. It's not like we just expect Northwestern to win these games. You have to have guys step up and they yep. had that happen there on Saturday. So a big win for them. Other guys, I'll just go down the list. Cameron Thomas had 30 for you. Uh, Fonboulet, 43. Your other picks, Seth Foucault, just 23 for Foucault. So. They were figuring out lineups, and he wasn't on the floor as much as I thought he would be. So we'll yeah. see where that goes. But. Which then my guy, Micah Filer, came off the bench both games. He ended up with 45 total, and again, it was kind of the one game where he did most of his damage. But I think he's the Lou Williams on that squad this year. That's what much. it feels like they're doing. It's interesting that he comes off the bench because he's he's definitely their main go-to option. I feel like offensively, his game is a little bit volume. like Lou Williams, though. If we're going to be honest, you're, you're I just, think that's a good comparison. You're, you're really <laughs> trying to hit that comparison hard. Uh, your guy Dylan Hyder, twenty-seven. Here's here's my thing with him. Tough game against Northwestern, only eight points. He had eight turnovers too. That is another issue for Morris. You can't have eight turnovers from him if you want to have success. So he's going to reminder for fantasy. Those are negative ones. So that's why it matters. That's in the grand scheme of things. That's the most important thing. Is yeah, for sure, the, the fancy. Uh, my other picks towards the end: Javon Walker and Kyrie Mayfield, thirty-five and thirty-three apiece. Eli Vogel, thirty-seven, and then Mason Ackley, forty-seven for you. So I mean, Ackley at forty-seven. That's seven points off the top lead this week, and he was your last pick. So that just shows. I was how- going to say great value there. Yep. It's just how deep it is, too, though. You just don't know yep. for sure night in and night out. I mean, Brennan he, was your number seven. Exactly, exactly, and he had 52. He was second, so, I mean. How, it, how do you feel after that opening week, your squad? How do you feel? I feel really good, actually, because Kyle only played 14 minutes in the Morris game and still did what he did this week, and I know he's going to produce. He's just got to stay out of foul trouble. Kate Carroll didn't play at all, and I'm still only down 28 points to you. And you had all your guys play. So I feel pretty good about the men's side. The women's side, not so much. I think you're going to run away with that one from the early indication. But it's a long season, and we'll we'll see how it plays out. 
I got to say real quickly, speaking of foul trouble, Cam Thomas had a lot of it. He's going to be on the floor more, and I don't think Alm and Hyder combined are going to have as quiet of a weekend as they had this weekend the rest of the year. I think Alm was about the lowest that the floor can get so far through one weekend of play. I think he's going to sure. – I mean, but the, the truth is, Wyatt, every team across the conference knows who he is. is exactly. Are we going to see more of that where – the Eagles are forced to use other guys to win. I, I think he's going to have some bigger performances down the road, but we'll see. It, we've seen it before. I mean, he's been able to put up big performances even when everybody does know who he is, so I would expect eventually he will do that. Yeah, I mean, it was a quiet week for him. Probably the quiet weekend, the quietest weekend we'll see from Cameron Thomas overall as well, just yeah. all things considered. So uh, My lead should be way bigger is what we're saying. That's why. That's why I'm saying... You should be disappointed only being up 28, all things considered, when no, I didn't I'm have glass a guy half play. Full. I'm glass half and, full where some of these other guys are going to come through. I, Seth is going to be consistent. He's going to do his thing. My other scorers are going to step up. Fuqua is going to start to play more, and we'll be fine. Speaking into existence, man, that's good. Good, yeah, good for yeah. you. <laughs> Anyways. And then the women's, like you said, we just can't dig into it as much with all the cancellations. Yeah, complaint. for sure. And, I mean, it's it's very early. We'll see once we get into January again. Uh, what it looks like from there. That's the recap of what happened over what was a fun and busy conference weekend. There's not a whole lot to look forward to now though, Ryan, as we move in towards Christmas. I mean, I know we'll get a few other people on the podcast to interview coming up, but as far as what the important games are, that's not until January. If we're just being honest, I mean, we get their important games to the coaches and players, but from our standpoint, the conference games are what we look forward to. So there's not a whole lot to preview here coming up this next week. Enjoy the heck out of Northwestern Scholastica. I'll say that again. Not yep. just if you're a Northwestern Scholastica supporter, but just as the conference as a whole. If you want to see good basketball, get on down to the Erickson Center for that 7 o'clock tip Wednesday night, the 15th, or tune in on the Eagle Sports Network. You will not be disappointed. And on the women's side of things, we mentioned that's going to be played in January sometime. Yes, I think it's like Monday night. The I can find the date here. Not that people are, you know. Yeah, I mean, looking that Waiting far ahead necessarily. This. but 24th, in case you were wondering. But yeah. there will be a part two to that with that rivalry. Yep. As it there will, will be, be another UMAC win so. over the Mayak. There you yes. go. Yes. Well, yes. and speaking of that, we can mention, I didn't go over the numbers, but I don't believe there was really... Carlton beat Martin Luther on the men's side on December 7th, so that would have been one that we didn't have in place. Maybe I can just add these up quick on the fly. I did not. It's the first time I didn't come prepared for the UMAC Mayak. I'm a little disappointed in myself. The numbers didn't improve for the UMAC, so we can just leave it. We don't have to mention it. Well, I'm going to write them down. We won't mention it here, but I'll make sure to write them down when we stop recording, and then we can revisit it later. But Crown's got a chance against another Mayak team on the men's side this week. They take on St. Mary's on the road. Other than that, though... Not a whole lot going on. There's some weekend games, but nothing too crazy to get into. It's kind of the same on the women's side, too. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of substance there to really dive into and chew on. Most of it was this past weekend. Conference play is underway. We're excited about it. It should be a fantastic season moving forward. Is there anything else you want to mention or feel like we should talk about here before we end up getting back on and talking again? No, why? I mean, it's been a busy start to the season. I'll just say real quickly, and I think a lot of teams are honestly looking forward to an extended break. I mean, we know that yeah. Northwestern is going to be real busy on the road over the next chunk of weeks. They're playing a lot of non-conference games. Both teams are going out west to California, but for a lot of squads, they're going to get a winter break and then some, like a serious break before they play their next contest. So really, it's just a matter of what team scheduled more non-conference. And I think 
again, so many coaches, so many players are looking forward for a chance to breathe. And, you know, we can use that time effectively, Wyatt, to kind of assess what we've seen so far and take a bigger picture look at what's to come in the future. So we'll continue to chew on what happened this past weekend. We could have gone even deeper into the uh, opening weekend of action. And some of you would have enjoyed that. And some of you would have said, can you just shut up and move on already? But don't worry. We saw the results. We'll continue to look at them moving forward. And, and yeah, seriously, like we try to make it the best of both, I guess, for everybody. Yes. We try to a- analyze things, but at the same time, keep it light and just uh, talk about the big things that happen. So there, there was a lot to chew on. And I think uh, we, you know, we, we covered it for the most part. We gave you the fantasy basketball results. And obviously, with it being a podcast, the good news is you can listen back to anything that you want that you may have missed. Absolutely, you can. And real quick, because you mentioned fantasy basketball again. I know a couple people who listen who are actively working to send something into the inbox as far as a punishment goes. We said we want people you to do. send in. Yes. Are you going to tell punish- me who this is at least off of a... Uh- I'll tell you off the mic. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't have to be on, but I I do want to know. Because we said, and that's a reminder for folks, at the end of the year, whichever one of us does not come out on top in fantasy basketball, we said last week, Wyatt, that person has to have a punishment. So there's a little motivation, but we said, again, we're not going super deep like fantasy football leagues do where you got to, you know do something absurd like a lemonade stand outside well, in the middle you, that's of That's what you think. For... That's what you think. You're going to We'll be see the suggestions, but we said we're not going to go super deep. But who knows? So send in your suggestions if you have a good idea for a punishment. Absolutely. That is, uh, relatively feasible. U-A-O, the U-Mac at gmail.com. And just feel free to email us too if you have questions, yep. insight, anything like that. We love to get responses from people. We love to interact with people. And uh, that's that's what makes this so enjoyable is the different people we get to hear from on a consistent basis. So uh, feel free to do that. Again, follow us on Twitter, unlike any other, the UMAC. Download these episodes so you can listen anytime, anywhere, subscribe. You can leave a review if you want. I don't think we've ever had anybody leave a review. So if you want to write one up, feel free. Otherwise, give a rating, whatever you want to do. You can Good just, or bad. Yeah. We'll take your we'll honest take feedback. Bad. Honestly, just to see one on there would be, I mean, it could be the worst thing ever. Just to see one would be like, oh, okay, somebody actually was willing to take the time to do it, I guess. But no, we've we've had a good time with it. We appreciate everybody that's been listening. We hope you have a great upcoming week as we work our way towards Christmas. We'll be back on one more time before Christmas, so I'm not going to say Merry Christmas yet or anything like that. We'll get that I at the next one. say it all the time. One. Merry Christmas well, to you, Wyatt. It, okay, it's Merry, the season. Merry okay? Christmas to you as well. It is the season. But, I mean, if we're going to talk to him again, I can just get it the next time around. So No, no, no. I'm saying it to you, not to those who are listening, just to you personally. Well, I appreciate that. You know, sometimes <laughs> you need a little pick-me-up like that, I guess. So thank you, Ryan. Merry Christmas to you as well. Hope you have appreciate a great it. rest of your night. I hope everybody that's listening has a great rest of your day, night, whenever you're listening, great rest of your week. Thank you for being a constant supporter. We'll talk to you next time here, and we may even have a few announcements coming up in the future about how we're going to proceed moving forward as well, but we have to work a few details out with that as well. But you can look forward to another episode next week with the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC podcast.